Hi there, this is Jacob Msipa, the senior pastor of Builders Church. I just want to thank you for taking time to listen to our podcast today. And I trust that it will bless and build your spirit. Enjoy the message and God bless you. We said in order for us to live and to behave wisely, first of all, we need to walk circumspectly. Number two, we said we need to redeem the time because the days we are living in are evil. And thirdly, from last week, we said we need to understand the will of God. We need to understand the will of God. Ephesians 5, 17, where we read, said, Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand, understand what the will of the Lord is. We said the good news Bible puts it this way, don't be fools then. But try to find out what the Lord wants you to do. When we find ourselves in different situations and circumstances, it is not necessarily about what we want to do. But we need to at all times find out what the Lord wants us to do. Wisdom is hidden in hearing and doing what God wants you to do, Bazalwan. We said it is to our advantage that we hold the will of God in high regard. The Lord Jesus Christ teaching his disciples how to pray. One of their prayer points in the model of prayer that he gave to them, he says to them, pray to the Lord and say, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. He himself at some point demonstrated that he holds the will of God in high regard. Hebrews 10 verse 7 says, Then I said, Behold, I have come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do your will, O God. And in verse number 9 of the same chapter, it says, Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. Uh, and also, at some point when he was confronted with a situation where he had to choose between his own will and the will of God, Jesus displayed how he held the will of God in high regard. And he said, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. And he said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And I do believe that all of us in life will be confronted uh, by such situations where we have to choose between our will, between what we want, what we want to do, and what God wants us to do. The psalmist prays and declares in Psalm 40 verse 8, and he says, I delight to do your will, O God. And no matter how inconveniencing it may be, no matter how painful sometimes it may be, because sometimes the will of God becomes very painful, but we need to choose to delight ourselves in doing the will of God. We said following the will of God reduces the so many options that are on the table. Amen. Because it is not an easy thing 
to choose when you have many options, when you have many choices. The Bible says when we acknowledge God in everything that we are doing, God will do what? He will direct our paths. So following the will of God makes life easy for us because it reduces the options. As long as we are going to be sincere as the children of God and choose to follow or to hold the will of God in high regard in our lives. And we said in order for us to understand the will of God, number one, we need to understand that the will of God is for the sincere. If you want to follow the will of God, you have got to be a sincere Christian because the will of God is not for the people who are not sincere. If we are hypocrites, the will of God will expose us. Listen to what the Bible says in Luke 7 verse 30. It says the Pharisees, and the Pharisees, remember, these are the people that Jesus called hypocrites. It says the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the will of God. And therefore, you can never be sincere and reject the will of God. Or you can never be a hypocrite in your walk with God and accept the will of God. The will of God will expose whether or not you are sincere with your walk with God because the will of God will always place a demand. The will of God will require for you to die. So if you are just a religious person, you know what I mean? When it's time to do the will of God, it is just going to be a challenging issue. And number two, we said the will of God positions us for God's calling for our lives. Many of us, in most cases, we struggle and we want to figure out what is it that God has called me for. But it begins with you it, with simply following the will of God. Just, just every day as you live your life, know what the will of God is for your life and do it, you know. You know, start with the will of God. The Apostle Paul uh, puts it this way. He says, I am an apostle through the will of God. So he found himself chosen and appointed as an apostle, not because he wanted to be one, but he was simply following the will of God. If God says, serve, serve. If God says, do this, just simply do it. And by so doing, God will lead you to your calling. Amen. So don't even wait for an angel to come with a flaming sword to tell you what your calling is. Follow the will of God. What is already revealed to you at this stage, just simply follow it. And number three, we said the will of God regulates our movement. Before you can make major decisions, before you can move around in your life, make sure that you are going to consider the will of God. You need to check how is my move going to impact the will of God for my life? And number four, we said the will of God must shape our prayer lives. We need to pray. The Bible says the Spirit of God helps us to pray according to the will of God. So prayer is not about twisting God so that he can do what we want him to do for us. Amen. In my walk with, with God, I have discovered that no matter how prayerful you can be, uh, there's absolutely no way that you can change the will of God for your life. Hey, if you don't believe me, ask Jesus. He prayed until he accepted that God is not going to budge. Sometimes uh, I've seen in the church circle that we get to a level where, especially when we regard ourselves as prayer warriors, we, we think our prayers are powerful than God. Amen. But the power is not in the prayer. The power is in the God you are praying to. He is the one. Pray, your prayer does not necessarily do anything. 
I know that sometimes we, we declare it and it is partly true that prayer changes things. But it's not prayer that changes things. It is the God we are praying to who changes things. So never get to a level where you think your 10 hours of prayer is going to change the will of God for your life. Amen. No matter you can fast for 2,000 days, you can never change the will of God. Once God's mind is made up, it is made up. Amen. So that's why we are not trying to get God to bless what we are doing, but we are trying to get to know what is it that God has already blessed so that we can participate in it. Let your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Your blessing is locked in the will of God. Your provision is in the will of of God. Your breakthrough is in the will of God. Your turnaround in your life is in the will of God for your life. Pursue the will of God. Amen. And that's where your breakthrough is. That's why we need to at all times pray, Lord, fill my heart with the knowledge of your will. May my heart be filled with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. May I know what your will is, oh God. Oh, teach me to do your will. Let it be your daily prayer. Let it be your daily prayer at all times. Pray, oh God, let your will be done in my life. Let your will be done in my family. Let your will be done. Just pray and surrender yourself to God. But take no that's a very dangerous prayer because when you are praying those prayers you are applying for God to interrupt your own selfish desires you are asking him to interfere in your decisions you are asking him to take that uh, ungodly boyfriend away from you. you you will cry day and night and because you've prayed the prayer let your will be done and but unfortunately during that process you have already chosen a person who is not good for your destiny for your calling for your assignment and believe you me God is not is going to take away that boyfriend take away that girlfriend God is going to move you from one city to the next God is going to he might need to take that job away from you he might he might need to take away friends from you. He might need to separate you from your family because when the will of God needs to happen in your life, it is definitely going to be in conflict with whatever it is in your life that is attempting to sabotage the will of God. So you better be prepared to cry. You better be prepared to be frustrated by the will of God. You better be prepared to be in pain sometimes and be hurting, crying, not understanding. Because the will of God is not for the faint-hearted. When God comes after you, ish. I remember I used to sit at night and just and just cry. And just cry. Not know how, how can I even bring a case before God? How can I even accuse him? How can I, you know, try and... Because no matter how righteous you can be, there, can, there, there is absolutely no way you can prove God wrong. But how many of you know that at some point in our lives, in our walk with God, we get tempted to think that we can sit God down and explain to him how wrong he is in what he is doing in our lives. It's like you want to say to him, you don't, you don't understand. You have options. I think your approach uh, is not right. You see this guy, he's going to change. God, I assure you. Just give me five years with him. He is going to change. And God is sitting in heaven looking at you. He's like, he's not gonna. Even if he does, he's not good for you. 
Because even if he can speak in tongues, it does not mean he is good for you. Even if he attends Builders Church and you also attend Builders Church, it does not mean he is good for you. There are, very, there, there are some carnal people at Builders Church as well. King, you better be spiritual. Otherwise, you shall be rejected, my brother. Say, teach me to do your will. So when you pray, pray for the will of God to take place in your life. And number five, this was where we stopped last week. We said the will of God leads us to live pure lives. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 3, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. God wants us to be sanctified. That's why we are saved. That's why we are born again. It says that you should abstain from sexual immorality. The Amplified Version puts it this way, for this is the will of God, that you should be consecrated, separated and set apart for pure and holy living. You see, when you get saved, Amen. God gives you holiness. Amen. There's absolutely nothing that you can do. Just please hear me very well. There's absolutely nothing that you can do to make yourself holy. You and I are not the source of holiness. You cannot attend church services to a point of being holy. You, you cannot pray yourself into holiness. You cannot give yourself into holiness. You cannot serve yourself into holiness. But once you declare your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, God gives you holiness for free. But one thing that he's asking is for you to live it. To express it. Because yes. So in other words, when God is asking for righteousness, it's because he gave it to you. He knows you are able to live a righteous life. To live a holy life. So our problem as the church in most cases, we think you can dress your way into holiness. That's why we end up debating about things that really don't matter. Remember, God says, be holy because I am holy. Now we need to ask ourselves this one question. What makes God holy? Does God dress in a certain way for him to be holy? No. <laughs> it's like I love the silence. It says that you should abstain and shrink from all sexual vice. That each one of you should know how to possess control, manage his own body in consecration. In other words, purity separated from things profane. So God gives us the responsibility to handle, manage your own body. He says it's your body, manage it. 
Paul puts it this way. He says, I put my flesh under. He says, I die daily. You, you, you can pray for 10 hours and still experience temptation. That's why Jesus said, when you pray, pray and say, lead us not into temptation. Because the fact that I've just preached now, it does not mean I will not be tempted. So daily I die. I manage my thoughts, my, my life, my decisions each and every day so that I can live the kind of life that God wants me to live. Must manage my body. Manage it, control it, tell it. This is, is good for you. This is not good for you. It's like, I always think about this person. When, for an example, you, you, you become sick and you go to the doctor and the doctor says, yay, you are very sick, very, very sick. And if, if we don't do anything in six months' time, you are going to die. Right? Mm -hmm. And the doctor says, you need to change your diet. You need to change your ways. You need to stop eating this, start eating that, or whatever. They what, are you, what are we going to do? We are going to make sure that you comply because your life is in danger. Yeah. And is like this physical body. But how come when God tells us that, listen, there are things that are not good for your soul. That if you continue in them, you will find yourself not inheriting the kingdom. You will find yourself in hell. It's like we are, and, and that's why Jesus said, we, we need to be more afraid of God who is able to kill both the flesh and the spirit. But you know, we honor doctors more than God. It's like, ah, I'm willing to take the risk. Let's continue. Number six. I'm left with a few minutes. The will of God leads us to a life of gratitude. First Thessalonians 5 verse 18. In everything. Give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. A life of gratitude. Just to be grateful, Bazalwan. This is the, that's what the Bible says. It says it is the will of God to express gratitude in everything that God does for you. His provision. To be grateful. You know, many of us, we, we insist more on another breakthrough, another promotion, another door that must be opened. And, and yet, when it comes to just expressing gratitude, just for waking up early in the morning, the Bible says, giving thanks is the will of God. Amen. To appreciate. We must never live our lives, Bazolani, as if it's a must. 
for God to do some of the things. It's a must for your friends to do some of the things. It's a must for your wife to do something. It's a must. It's, a, it's almost like you are, you are having, you know, a, that unhealthy expectation that people must do stuff for you and fail to just appreciate, just to say thank you. Your wife does not have to cook for you. Your, your, your husband does not have to buy anything for you. There's, there's nowhere where it is legislated that he must. But when, when he or she does it for you, it's out of love and and the little that you can do is to express gratitude. Because what makes us not to be grateful, it is that sense of entitlement. That she must clean the house. Says who? Who, who said it? Who, who, as sure as we are, that she must clean, right? It's like, even when we do, uh, just before you get married, they tell you, you must be, it's like they instill that thing that you must be domesticated. It's like, make sure that you clean, make sure that you cook for him, and whatever the case may be, it's like, I'm, I'm always asking myself, says who? Who, who Brazex, where does that come from? Where, where does that come from? I wish to speak to the gentleman or the or the or whoever the lady who the original the source of that information. But I'm not saying she must not clean. I'm not saying she must not cook. That's not what I am. What I am saying. I'm not saying he must not provide. That's not what I am saying. But all that I am saying is that the little that she does, be grateful before you can discover what she is unable to do. Because in all honesty, we cannot safely sit down and prove that to clean your house, it is your responsibility. I mean, there are certain homes where husbands are cleaning. Husbands are cooking. Sometimes I feel bad. I don't know how to cook. I wish I knew. But I know a couple. I know a couple. They, they are married now for more than 20 years. Their wife does not know how to cook. She does not know how to cook. To save her life, she does not know how to cook. And the husband cooks. He's a businessman. He's very busy. He cooks proper food. <laughs> the little that we can do is to what? Say thank you. I always tell you this story. That when we got married, in our first year of marriage with my wife, she used to cook for me, do everything, bring me food, and I'll just take and eat and not say thank you. I'll just take and eat. She makes me a cup of uh, coffee back then. I used to drink coffee. Take and drink because I felt entitled. I'm a, husband. I'm a man of the house. She must dish up until one day she stopped and asked me, why are you not saying thank you? And when she said that, I said to myself, 
Why am I not saying thank you? <laughs> Vela, why? Because it's that sense of entitlement. It's like when your husband buy groceries. Why, why don't you say thank you? As a wife, when, when this man comes and buys electricity. Because he does not have to. He does not have to. What? My, let me tell you. I'm not telling you something that is... Here's my wife. She's here. Each time I buy groceries, the minute we park the car, she will say, thank you so much for the groceries, daddy. I will buy electricity. She'll say, thank you so much for the electricity. I, everything, that little thing, will be in a restaurant. I'll pay for the bill. She will say, thank you for the lunch. And I learned a lot from that to say... Because it's like what, is, what it is saying to me is, is, is I don't have to. But as I do it, she shows me how much she's up. And the Bible says it is the will of God. So she's not doing it to, to, to try and to prove a point. It is the will of God to give thanks. You know, it's so, it's so fulfilling to do things for a person who is grateful. A person who is grateful. person who is grateful. It is so, it's like, it's almost like, hey, I can go back and do it again. Just to, just to hear them say thank you. So my question is, you know, you know, even when you are employed, when you are working, one day when you meet your boss in the passage, just stop for a moment and say, you know, I just wanted to say thank you for keeping this company going. Because it is because of you that, I'm, that I have a salary. And just say, thank you so much that every month my salary is paid. Thank you. I appreciate. Just the heart of gratitude. We feel so entitled. That's why we are forever backstabbing people, betraying people. And, and we are ungrateful in our hearts because we feel like people must. Your boss does not have to pay your salary. He does not have to. He can get any other person. He does not have to give you a job. The fact that, my, you know, my heart... Always, Mazalwani, I get so hurt and saddened by the fact that even in this church, people will be praying, looking for jobs, and I'll be talking to people who are in business, like Abu Masanabo, and, 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 like, and, and say, hey, you know, take this person. And yo, hey, after a month or two, they get warm. All of a sudden, it's like, I'm partially enough. You were the one who sent us a testimony of how grateful you were for that job. And all of a sudden, you get yourself into debt. You are, you, are, you, are, you are careless with your money. And all of a sudden, you are not paid enough. Gratitude. Start with just saying thank you. I know you don't have enough. But just, just start by saying thank you with the little that you have. The Bible says, so that we may be content. Just be content and say, God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm believing you for, for a, for a six-roomed house, but thank you for this one-roomed house. I'm, I'm believing you for, for, for another car, but thank you for this small anyana car. And I'm so grateful, Lord. I'm believing you for millions, but thank you for this 500 rands in my bank account. Thank you. The Bible says it is the will of God. Just to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I say thank you. Just say thank you. So before you, 
Okay, number seven, the will of God leads us towards the fulfillment of the promises of God. Hebrews 10 verse 36, 4, you have need of endurance so that after, not before, after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. So in doing the will of God, there are promises that are connected to doing the will of God. So doing the will of God can never be in vain. Can never be in vain. There are promises that will be activated in our lives by simply following the will of God. I don't have time. Let me move faster. Number eight. The will of God is for us to do good. First Peter 2 verse 15. For this is the will of God. That by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. In other words, the foolish people, they, they thrive in doing evil. But we as the children of God, the will of God is for us to do good. And remember, I'm going to say, I'm going to say it one more time. Your goodness is not from you. You are not the source of the goodness that God is expecting from you. He is the one who is good. And it is no good. God is good all the time. So God has given us the capacity to be good people. You, you have it in you to be good. And it is his will for you to be good. Amen. Just to express, just, just be good to people. Be good to your wife. Be good to your children. Be good to your friends. Be good to your neighbor. Be good to your boss. Be good to your fellow believers at church. Just, just, just choose the side of goodness. Why? Because God is also good to you and it is his will. In other words, he says, for you, the only way you can silence the ignorance, it says, it says, the ignorance of the foolish, for you to silence is, it is to silence them. It is not for you to argue and debate with them. God did not call us to debate and to argue. Because one thing that people cannot dispute is the results of your goodness. If they see the tangible works, that cannot be debated. It cannot be argued. Number nine, the will of God is good for us. Say, the will of God is good for me. Say, the will of God is good for me. So as much as sometimes it will be inconveniencing, it will place a demand on you, but at the end of the day, the will of God is good for you and I. Romans 12 and verse number 2, it says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then it says, Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Because the will of God is good. It's good. It's it's. it's Perfect, it says. It is pleasing. In other words, when God says we must do, he's, he's teaching us how to please him. So the will of God is good for me. Why? It is going to help me to be pleasing before God. So the will of God, the will of God is good for you and I. The will of God is not there to take away from you. It is not there to frustrate you. It might look like it is frustrating in the beginning, especially when it is separating you from things that you've fallen in love with. But the will of God at the end of the day is good for each and every one of us. The will of God, number 10, is not pleasing to the flesh. It's not nice. 
Because our flesh, the Bible says, will always last against the spirit. It will be forever in conflict. So sometimes following the will of God will inconvenience the flesh. First Peter 4 verse 2, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. There is absolutely no way in our walk with God that we can be pleasing to God and be pleasing to our flesh at the same time. That's why the Bible uses the language of the flesh must be put to death. It must be crucified daily. Crucifixion is not easy. It's not nice. Your flesh will be screaming. It's like when you want to go on a diet, hang it. Let's say you want to lose some few kilos. You decide, I'm not going to eat one, two, three, and four. Your body will be screaming for that cake. You will wake up, you will see it, especially They choose to buy all of these things that you decided you are not going to eat. So every day you need to crucify your flesh in its last for that piece of cake. It's like when you wake up and you see it in the fridge your body will be saying, just one slice, just, just one piece. And when each time you deny your flesh that option, you are crucifying it. Before you know it, it will get used to. In fact, one day, even when they offer you and say, have some cake today, is cheat day, I no longer feel like. Number 11. The will of God secures our kinship, not king, but kinship in Christ. The fact that we are the children of God, we are co-heirs with Christ. It is demonstrated in doing the will of God. Mark 3 verse 35, for whoever does the will of God, Jesus said, is my brother and my sister and mother. We cannot live our lives in contrary to the will of God and yet claim that we are the children of God. Lastly, the will of God confirms our eternity. 1 John 2 verse 17, let's please stand on our feet. The world and its desires pass away. Can we imagine? Everything that our body is longing for, crying out for, our own selfish desires, the Bible says one day they will go away. But it says, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. That's eternity. So following the will of God gives us wisdom that will usher us into eternity. Lord, let your will be done. Not my will. Not my father's will. Not my parents' will. Not my mother's will. Not my friend's will. Not my. But let your will be done in my life. Why? Because it confirms the fact that I am living for eternity. I am not making decisions just for temporary things of this world that provides that, that temporary happiness and joy. But I am doing it because I know that I am destined for eternity. 
I am destined for eternity. I might as well get used to eternal things while I'm still here. That is how we live wisely, following the will of God. Following the will of God. In, in other words, I find myself making wise decisions as if I have this used wisdom, but I did it by just simply following the will of God. And the will of God is locked in the wisdom of God. It is simply the wisdom of God in display where God accurately teaches how to live life. How to make decisions, how to run your home by just simply following the will of God. It's the will of God for me to be grateful. Guess who is going to benefit? You are going to benefit. Because the more grateful you are, you are building your marriage, you are building your family, you are building relationships around you. It's wisdom. It's like, wow. M7 Zini, they'll be like, wow, what's, what's unique about this person? And, and, and they will think you are the super clever person. Favor is going to come your way. But guess what? You are just simply doing it because you know it is the will of God. You are living a sanctified life. Guess who's going to benefit? Your wife benefits, your children benefit, you know, your, your, your family benefits out, you benefit out of it because your, your family will enjoy you, your children will enjoy you to say, we have this father or we have this mother who is living a, a sanctified life, not complicated. And, and your kids think you are smart. No, you are following the will of God. <laughs> I'm just following the will of God. Tina, in most cases, we think unkulunkulu ya sluba. Magasenzi sintando yake. Kantintando yake is good for us. It is good for us. Father, we thank you for your good, for your acceptable and for your perfect will. Thank you once again for listening to the message today. We trust that you were blessed by it. Please do subscribe to our podcast to receive new messages every week. Thank you very much and keep on building.